0: Hello and welcome to Squawk Talk. Thank you for tuning in with us today. We've got a great, great show lined up for you. A um, couple things before we introduce the panel. Be sure to check out the Twitter, Big Squawk. We're not going to spell it out for you this uh, this episode. <laughs> then check out that Instagram, Squawk Radio, and also the website, squawkradio.org. Also, check us out on Apple Podcasts. You will not be disappointed. Uh, it's the second episode where I have not turned off my ringer before, so I apologize. And it happens, it happens. It happens to the best of us. Um, anyway, so with us in the studio today, as always, is uh, Brayden, the French Connection. How
1: you
2: doing?
0: And uh, <coughs> Squawk newcomer, Ruger Stocking. Ruger, how's it
2: going? Glad to be here. Uh, always wanted to be on a show.
0: Uh, that, means, that means a lot. Have you, you, You've listened to Squawk before?
2: Religiously. <laughs> one of the many
1: thousands yeah (laughs) many
0: thousands this is gonna be a great episode Ruger just pointed out that we do have a review on our podcast and it's only one review but hey it's five stars yeah so someone loves us. yeah we're a freight train that's building momentum yep Um, before we get into you know everything else because we do have a lot to talk about uh, a quick word from our sponsor do people think you're boring are you tired of constantly being deprived of the respect you rightfully deserve Well, now you can stand out amongst the crowd with Fushigi, the new awe-inspiring magic ball. No strings, no tricks, just simple hand manipulation will make this ball seem to defy gravity. It even includes a DVD with special Fushigi techniques. Excuse me. Order one now, and you will not be disappointed. Um, I'm glad we got that out of the way. You know, just off the record, although I know we are broadcasting. It's a great product.
1: Oh, yeah. And
0: Fushigi
1: oh, I, is. I remember the first time I got one. It was for Christmas back when I was. Fourth grade? And of. I
0: see you walking to class with the Fushigi. <laughs> yeah,
1: I still carry that thing around with me to this day. If you don't think you see it, that's why I'm so good at it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, what's even more noticeable are, you know, the hordes of people following you. Just yeah. shocked. Shocked. How is he doing this? It's crazy. How kind of orb is this? All right, and lastly but certainly uh certainly importantly is that that's not even really a phrase uh, on this day in history september twenty fifth eighteen seventy eight British physician Dr. Charles Drysdale warns against the use of tobacco in a letter to The Times newspaper and one of the earliest public health announcements on the dangers of smoking mm. so that kind of correlates to vapegate yeah. <laughs> Vape game. Ruger, have you been keeping up with Vapegate?
2: Uh, yes, uh, I'm really looking for what the candidates have to say about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and no one's talking about it. No one's talking about <laughs> it.
0: Everyone's talking about uh, impeachment at this point.
2: And I'm more worried about vape Gate, frankly.
0: I am too. I I, think, <laughs> I don't think the impeachment movement or those procedures are going <clears> to <throat> go very far. Um, well, you know, Ruger, normally uh, we just start off with uh, a couple light, fun, Somewhat thought provoking questions. So I think this is uh, quite revealing of one's character. But what does a perfect moment look like to you?
2: I would say when you are absolutely content with everything around you.
1: Mm, that's really good. That's very interesting. <laughs> um, and could you describe kind of that moment and what maybe you would want?
2: Well, I think that's the the beauty of it is you know the moment is different to each person but it can happen pretty much anywhere but yeah. you know those moments where you're like sitting there and you're just like I'm not stressing about like anything. I, I'm
0: having a perfect moment.
2: Yeah. yeah and most of the time obviously it's during like summer when you don't have responsibilities and no drama just everything around you is content and you're not worried. <laughs> like clockwork.
1: Yeah. Brayden, what's a perfect moment to you? Perfect moment to me, <clears throat> man. Um, I would have to say when I go snowboarding every year, and um, I forgot you like to shred. Yeah, <laughs> I shred the pow, dude. <laughs> and it's usually like because this past time we went, I kind of went off a trail, but like by myself, and there was an opening, like, on the mountain where you could just see you could see all the mountains, and I sat there for a little bit just looking at it. It was probably the most perfect moment I've ever like had in my life. Um and I just sat there and took pictures, you know, just quiet, just soaking it in. Yeah, just soaking it in. And I think that's the perfect moment for me. So just <clears throat> peace. Peace, yeah. Peace, we'll peace.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good one. I'm trying to think, you know, when I cuz when I asked this question, I was thinking like what what makes up a perfect moment? People, places, and now I'm trying to think about a perfect moment that I've had, kind of one-up to everyone here so far. Um, well, I'm not gonna do that because I guess I haven't had a perfect moment yet. Um, I will say that if I'm with the people that I love in a peaceful, stress-free environment, yeah, that's that's pretty good, you know, pretty, pretty good. Um, yeah, Ruger, this one is pretty, pretty intense, so uh, bear with me. Aliens come to Earth, you have to explain humanity to them by showing them one movie. What is that movie? Braveheart. (laughs) Okay. Right off the bat, you knew that. (laughs) Why Braveheart? Just because Gibson is the man?
2: Truly, it is my favorite movie. And also, uh, at a deeper level, I think it does show that uh, humanity, we're good at figuring out what's good. So like I think we can all see that William Wallace is good, he's the protagonist, he's doing good. But right intentions. Yeah, and but by that same token it shows that in doing good we are absolutely brutal and capable of doing bad. And yeah. that's shown in like the murder and the warfare and things. And I think that kinda shows the duality of people that um we know good but we also do wrong.
1: Beautiful. Brayden? Okay.
2: <clears throat> uh, you know, <clears throat> know I'm, totally kinda, I'm kinda I'm kinda I'm going to go with the movie
1: 2012. (laughs) Why is that? Uh, Show them what we've been through, you know. (laughs) Show
0: them that you can put the absolute (laughs) maximum amount of CGI into a movie and still have something to show. Yes. Um, hmm, Okay. You know, I got to say either To Kill a Mockingbird or It's a Wonderful Life.
1: Mm. Okay. I haven't seen It's a Wonderful Life, but what? Killing a Mockingbird.
2: What? Yeah, I mean, you know. it's really. Wonderful life. I've seen the Kill Mockingbird*.
0: every year for Christmas. You know what? This actually this is a perfect moment. Every year, my family and uh, some good family friends of, of ours we go see it in theaters because they show it uh, for Christmas. And it's just, it's such a sweet, kind hearted movie. Okay. I think it really does show, like Ruger hit on the duality of man, you know, what good intentions can bring and even when they fall short, people uh, even when good intentions fall short, um, you know, at least they try. I don't know. I think it just shows the absolute best and the absolute worst in people. Yeah. I'm not very articulate today. <laughs> sorry. Um, all right, Ruger, Where on the street is you were in Africa this summer.
2: I was indeed. All summer. All summer. Um, what were you doing there? Um. Where were you specifically? So my girlfriend lives there and Africa is one of the cheapest places you can be and so most of my time was spent in Pretoria and South Africa because that's where she lived but I did lots of traveling while I was there.
0: Uh, Where is, for those who don't know, which I am one of those people, where is Pretoria?
2: So South Africa is obviously just the very bottom of the continent but then Pretoria is kind of in the upper right but still in the middle. It's actually pretty close to the rest uh of the bordering countries, fairly centralized. Mhm. Um it's it's pre- pretty much in the middle but slightly towards the upper right. Uh but it is the it's it's very interesting because what I liked about it is uh Pretoria is this really big important city. It's where the president lives. But it doesn't feel like a big city that uh it's very spread out and spacious, so it doesn't have the big city feeling, like there's not very many skyscrapers and different things like that. But about 30 minutes away is Johannesburg, which is the cliche giant city. I've seen District 9. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's Joburg. And that's the financial center, that's where the banks are, the Central Bank of South Africa. Um, but then about an hour kind of towards the south is Bloemfontein, which is the judicial capital and then all the way on the very tip uh, of the Cape is Cape Town where the Parliament is housed. So they actually have like three capitals and then the economic center is in a different city, which mm. I found I found that, I thought that was very interesting. So each city has its totally unique own kind of vibe and culture.
0: Interesting. Now, you know, before getting into the differences in culture between just mm-hmm. those three, you know, kind of epicenters, um, what would you say the main cultural differences between where you were for the majority of your time and the United States are?
2: I would say just the uh, the presence uh, of cultures, actually. And you don't really realize it, but so in America, we're very good at assimilation. Mm-hmm. So it's like immigrants have kids and those kids are basically American. Yeah, um, They are, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we do an immense job of assimilation. And because like my friend group, we had a, uh, a guy who was born in Bangladesh but lived in America most of his life. He was a Muslim. We had a guy born in Japan but most of his life in America and he was Mormon. But we all were literally the same. We talked the same, same jokes, same movies. And what that means is in America, like I can talk to you and I can't assume anything. Like I can't assume your religion. I can assume very little about you. But in South Africa, each ethnic group has its own language, culture and religion. So for instance if I was speaking to a white person and um, and I was in Pretoria, there's a 99% chance that they spoke Afrikaans and there was a 99% chance that they were Dutch Reformed and there's a 99% chance that they ate certain foods. And so there's like these cultures and it's uh, the same where it's if I spoke to someone who was Zulu all those things but in in Zulu form. So everyone had their own unique kind of culture and customs. Where in America I feel like we're much more the same and uh, people have told me that here and I didn't really understand it. They always say like Americans have no culture and I was like well I mean surely we do but really we don't. Um, Because it's
0: just we're such a melting pot. Exactly
2: and I think that's one of the good things about America but we also need to recognize that like a lot of people love home because that's where their culture, language, religion, all that stuff is. Right.
1: So do you know any different languages or?
2: Um, I picked up a lot of Afrikaans while I was there just because everyone around me spoke Afrikaans and I hung out with Afrikaans people. But that's about it. I didn't learn any of the local religions. Did that prove challenging? Um, I would say yes, but... I, and I would tell anybody who wants to learn a language, if you just immerse yourself in the culture for a time, you're going to pick it up. Yeah. You can use context clues. Because that's literally what it was like. Everyone around me only spoke Afrikaans almost every single day. And if they spoke to me, they would. They, if they knew it, they would speak English. But I was definitely picking it up to where I knew what was happening. And by, by the end of it, I, I would make comments. And like I knew they were relevant. But yeah, I didn't know enough to say the comment um an Afrikan, So like a conversation could be happening and I'd be like, "Well, yeah, but also this other place is good." And I would have known that they were talking about like where to eat and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so it,
1: it's quite different than going to class and learning about this language. Yeah,
2: I I would argue it's it's way better, too. Yeah, so
0: okay. ditch Rosetta Stone, just Yeah, just, no, ditch okay, Rosetta Stone. Go. <laughs> go go in the thick of it. Just yeah. put yourself out there.
2: It's rough at first and you often feel like an outcast. Um but i think everyone feels that way in a new culture
0: now going back to you were talking about the different cultures and their religion and how they're more forthright about it just cuz it's you know it's part of their culture mm-hmm. so you can accurately assume that someone like you said is zulu is religion a
2: yeah
0: that's interesting just thinking about how now you know it just seems like talking about any kind of religion is considered taboo almost you know it's just it's well you would never go up and just strike up a conversation about a religion to a stranger, not not even try. And I mean, maybe if you're trying to convert, if you're doing it for your mm-hmm. religion, but just the subject of religion seems to be taboo almost.
2: Yeah, it's this weird blend where it's a uh, South Africa is like the tale of two cities in almost every regard. So it's this weird, super traditional culture and they're that way because of how secluded they are and where they're positioned on the globe and during apartheid they weren't allowed to do international things so it's this very like closed culture Mm -hmm. but then now there's all these new progressive ideas flooding in and they've adopted a lot of progressive policies so the younger generation is like very progressive and so I feel like there is this weird tension where um, it's like a transitional phase almost. Yeah, because sometimes I'm like, this is exactly like a traditional Texas small town. And then other times I was like, this is like a progressive city. And so it definitely is. And um, another aspect is that there was there's a local religion which deals a lot of, with ancestry. And I'm not going to speak much to it because I don't know the details. But part of it is you have a certain kind of pin with a green cloth in it. And you wear it 24-7. Really? Um, yeah, and it was definitely, I think it was one of the Zulu religions, but a lot of people wore the pants. Well, what's the significance of that? Do you know? I do not know. Hmm. Um, but I just, and and I asked the people around me and they didn't know either, which goes back to the different cultures all within one country. Right? Yeah. It's like Afrikaans, people go to Afrikaans schools, hang out with Afrikaans people, just because it's the language, you know, if they don't speak Zulu, how are they going to connect with Zulu people? Yeah.
0: It's going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. Now, the last time I remember speaking to you about Africa, it was mm-hmm. last year. You hadn't I think you had been before, but not for this long. Or maybe you hadn't been. I had not been before. Regardless, I, I do remember you talking about Africa rising.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now does that will you refresh me on, yes. on what that what that is?
2: So that's basically the idea that When I say Africa, most people think a lot of terrible things. They think poverty. Liberia. Yeah, yeah, Liberia, all these um, places. And Africa rising is basically the theory that no, actually Africa is growing and doing immensely better. And having been there, I feel like we should set aside South Africa for an instant because it's a very interesting case and there's a complicated history there. But the rest of Africa, everything I saw, Uh, I think it's totally true and if you just look up GDP growth rate Africa is booming they're cranking out like eight to nine percent and the developed world is lucky to get like two to four the GDP is expected to double by 2030 which is which is astronomical they're gonna have one of the largest workforces here soon and also the immigration rates out of Africa are slowing which means that working professionals and people are, are all staying in Africa, which which is a huge deal because originally there was a brain drain, But uh, Africa Rising is basically the idea that people are kind of sleeping on Africa. People <laughs> forget about it. And all you have to do is go to Amazon and look up Africa Rising, and there's all these books um, about how they're doing better, but they're all from like 2016 on. This is like a very new up and coming thing where people are saying, hey look at like Africa is getting um its feet and when you're there in other countries like Mozambique, Botswana, uh Swaziland and Namibia, all you see is just wall to wall construction sites. And there's still immense problems, there's still widespread poverty and there's gonna be a kind of a culture shock, especially if you come from uh the Western world to there. But uh, I think the statistics are undeniable that uh, Africa as a whole is... On the up and up. Yeah, it is on the up and up.
0: Because, I I mean, and it's not right at all, but the first thing I think of when I actually think about Africa is Liberia. Mm -hmm. And I know that... Because I I watched a documentary on it not too long ago that was very graphic. Yeah. uh, And it talked about the the complex history, the yeah. particularly, particularly with the U.S. and the U.N.'s involvement mm-hmm. and how we've kind of, made, less so us, but more uh, moreover, the U.N. has created yeah. an immense amount of problems in Liberia. The capital, Monrovia, there was some dictator there, or there was some, I think the president, he was a president, and he did not, he, he, he was not liked by the people, there was a ton of pro- uh, problems with the economy and especially widespread, um, uh, starvation. Uh, he was taken out and then a dictator stepped in. And then ever since then it's been, uh, there've been efforts by the UN to get other people that they deem more suitable for the position in office. And, uh, there's been war between the rebels mm. and the UN forces as well as, um, you know, just the citizens that are caught in the crossfire, and and I, I'm not doing the story or the history of it any justice. Well, I think
2: I think Africa as a whole, for the most part, they follow a general pattern of uh, under colonial rule. Uh, the regimes were obviously racist and and stuff like that. That's yeah. that's just a given. Well, yeah. But what they did is uh, they did set up kind of like Western structures, so like law, infrastructure, the cities.
0: Well, Monrovia, the capital, is named after James Monroe.
2: Oh, see, yeah, exactly. And so this is especially important in South Africa, but that's what colonization did. And then uh, once the people became discontent with colonization, there was a a revolution, and this is a period uh, between the 60s and 90s where all these African countries got independence. And the problem was that uh, revolutionary parties were not, good stewards. So they were good at getting a country independent, but they weren't good at governing it. No. And what you're seeing now is that these revolutionary parties, you can, you can directly correlate where revolutionary parties finally lose an election and the country starts improving. Because the people say, well, you got us independence, but this isn't working. And so what you're really seeing is uh, kind of a new Africa where it's the generation that doesn't remember colonialism so they're able to say hey this this isn't working and because of pop culture they also see that uh, hey the standard of living is higher so like, let's try these other places like let's lower taxes, let's have business friendly stuff, let's try and get tourism and so uh, you're really seeing a shift with the younger people where they know what to do and are trying to change.
0: They want to implement some kind of
2: structure exactly yeah, um, And. It's really exciting to see.
0: Yeah, and I I mean I'd imagine the internet plays a very large role in yeah. that movement, but either way, that that's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. I because I've heard that Africa or specifically I guess the southern parts of Africa mm-hmm. is gonna be comparable by
2: twenty thirty to Germany's yeah. economy, which is insane. I know, and there's and what I hope um is that there there already is an African Union but truth be told, it really doesn't do much. So I would like to see a bit more interaction between that and maybe give them a little more power because they're starting to work out free trade deals in Southern Africa, especially, which is also helping immensely. But... uh and, you know, I've heard talks that in the future there could be a common African currency, too, compar- oh, really? comparable to the euro. Um, obviously, that's way off, but I've heard some proponents of that. Hmm.
0: Well, That's interesting. Um, what is the view of the United States there?
2: So it's very interesting. That's like the, the interesting thing is to me that everyone has a view. So everyone has an opinion. Everyone, Everyone has an opinion on Trump. Everyone has an opinion on what America needs to do different, what they like about America. And it was just interesting to me because I got there, like, right after, I watched their presidential election, which was also very interesting. But I didn't walk up to people and I wasn't like, hey, did you vote for Cyril Ramaphosa? What, why would you vote? You know, like, because I'm like, hey, that's none of my business. I'm not from here. Yeah, I don't like, have a dog in this fight. Yeah, everyone kind of mind your own business. But they would walk up to me like, you're from America? Like well, why do you all have so much gun violence? Like, tell me about Trump. And um, and so there's generally two... They, wait, they would speci- specifically ask about the gun violence? Yeah, exactly, wow. because this is interesting. That's this crazy. is this is a whole other talk, but the only news they get is CNN. The oh, that's on- disappointing. The only news channel <laughs> in all of South Africa for American news is CNN. So, uh, so I understand it, but the irony is many people would tell me, like, uh, America's unsafe because of all the guns meanwhile we're in one of the least safe countries on earth south africa like yeah. This, the, yeah so it's it's astronomical but there were two two kinds of people one i would say was the uh has kind of the how we expect where it's like oh i wish i could get to america like mm-hmm. a couple people asked me to help them get here like what do i have to do uh, i love america i love uh Basically, how it's like not corrupt, the standard of living, it's safer, kind of, kind of what we'd expect between a difference between Africa and America, but then the other people would just rag on it, I, I, and it was, it was weird to me. Just have but, absolute disdain. Yeah. Just, oh, eh, oh, Americans are all dumb. They're, Entitled and, yeah, yeah, and it was just interesting to me because I would never say anything like that about another country, <laughs> but. Yeah but it it's it's that way because even on South African news, all you hear about is America, like you don't realize, and all our, all the media uh or pop culture rather is America. They mm-hmm. listen to American music, American movies are everywhere, um and even their news is just talking about america twenty four seven so you don't really realize how big America is till you leave it uh, that and,
0: that really puts things in perspective, yeah, exactly. about the influence that we have as a country mm-hmm. and just I guess you know. Because they, because the just world. part
2: of their news in in Pretoria was uh, updates on Trump, and isn't that weird? That is very strange. Yeah, isn't that isn't that strange?
0: Because I mean, even with you know this whole Brexit thing going on, we I, we I barely see, hear. Yeah, we it. Yeah. barely. There's a story every now and then. I mean, I've seen a video of some parliamentary fights, <laughs> which yeah. are funny, but yeah, I mean, I've. But I, I feel like I've it's gonna be it's got to be somewhat similar over there. Like they mm-hmm. they know about Trump. Like I went to Canada two summers ago, and we were in I think it was the town of Sydney, and I went off by myself, went to a bunch of different stores, uh, a couple restaurants, and then I asked four different people, "Can I ask you something? What do you think of the United States?" Mm-hmm. And they all collectively said the same thing. You guys have done a great deal for us we love you guys I mean I I mm-hmm. love we love the United States we hate Donald Trump mm-hmm. and I mean the thing is they all had imp- like uh, you know like facts to back it up or you know they, they seemed well read enough that their reasoning was
2: sound you know they talked yeah. about trade and you, you, want, you want to hear an ironic story real quick I would love that so there was this one guy and we were talking and just I don't know if this is like an American thing but like I normally don't talk politics in conversations because I also, like, you know, there's things you don't do, like you don't talk about money, politics, Religion. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, like, I didn't talk about those things. But inevitably, when they found out I was American, they want, they want to talk politics, which is fine. But I had this guy, and he was like, um, the one thing I don't understand, this is the guy talking, he was like, the one thing I don't understand about Donald Trump is why he wants to build a wall. That doesn't make any sense to me. And I told him, do you understand the irony of that? Because in South Africa, all you see is walls and barbed wire fences. Because because the crime is a concern. So everywhere, every house, every building is walled off. And I told him, I was like, we're literally sitting in a building with a giant wall around it with fences and you have security patrols because safety is a concern. Yeah. And I can't remember what he said, but it was just the irony of, of that, that we were like sitting behind the safety of a wall. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, there were, weren't there a bunch of activists that stormed Pelosi's place or like, you know, hopped over her wall and made a big emphatic point about that. Um, That's really interesting. I'm surprised that CNN is like the dominant source.
2: Another thing that interests me is uh, here there's an urban-rural divide obviously where um, if you're urban you live in an urban area, that's more likely you're liberal, and if you're in a rural area, it's more likely you're conservative. It's exactly the same in South Africa, because I would occasionally see, they're called the Boers, but it simply means uh, Afrikaners who like have farms or working cattle, so like country people, Yeah. and it's funny because they dress just like Texans, so it was like a... Cowboy hats? No, John Deere hats, and like button-up, and then like boots and short shorts. Like jean shorts, shorts? no, like oh. uh, kind of like khaki <laughs> shorts. Like if I show, if I showed you a picture, you'd be like, oh. But I, but they were like super country and they loved Trump. And at one of the clubs, there was a, uh, it was American Independence Day themed, and so a bunch of these boars came in with uh, make America great again hats. Wow. Also, they didn't celebrate it on the right day. This was like August first. <laughs> but, but anyway, and they were like, we love Trump. Like, like we think he's doing great. Like. And so it's also interesting to see that the country people kind of um, also support him there. Because I, I'd say it was about 50-50, where like 50% p- of people like Trump and 50% of people But there didn't. were some
0: very apparent similarities in his base here and his base over yeah, there. Yeah, exactly.
2: Like, I t- talked to a couple guys, and they were uh, cattle farmers from Botswana and Namibia. And they were like, we love Trump, blah, blah, blah. And they run their own cattle farms, kind of off by themselves, but they watch the news, I guess, and like him.
1: That's crazy that kind of all eyes are on us, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. That's weird.
0: It is. It's a lot. Of, it's a lot of pressure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The one thing that I still don't understand is, I mean, maybe he has snapped, I don't know, but I don't understand how Donald Trump has not had a serious public mental breakdown. Because, mm-hmm. you know, just from my limited 21 years, I've never seen a president undergo this much you know just backlash from and insults from media from people on twitter or just any social media for that matter i gotta just i I gotta think like what does he do at night does he just stare at the ceiling like thinking man people hate me the world a lot of the world (laughs) hates me but again i mean he won a lot of the world loves him Mm -hmm. it's it's interesting then
2: i i know i i also think it's why he's able to keep it together is because he's had the rigors of business for so long. Yeah, and then also at the end of the day, there has to be a level of contentment where he's like, "Who cares if people like me? Like, I have like seven billion dollars, and you know."
0: And some would argue that very same attitude is why he got elected. Exactly. Exactly. It's just like, yeah. It's like I don't care. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do. <laughs> I am going to i can not do a Trump. But um, but anyway. Um. Well, why? You're an entrepreneur of sorts, aren't you?
2: Yes, aspiring, hopefully.
0: Are you able to tell us anything about your business ventures?
2: Yes, so originally uh, I wanted to do an investment fund which takes U.S. dollars and basically strong, stable currencies and invests them in Africa because when you calculate the purchasing power, it's about double. So if you take $200,000 in the U.S., and you bought stuff with it you'd get twice as much stuff in Africa so the dollar is about 50% stronger that's different than exchange rate and uh, that was kind of confusing for me to learn so the like the exchange rate is about 1 to 14 to 16 rand mm-hmm. but the purchasing power is 1 to 2
0: now is rand is that their standard
2: currency yeah that's the currency of South Africa and Namibia um and so that's their currency. But I wanted to take an investment fund and start investing in small businesses there because since Africa is overall in an, an emerging economy, um, about 50% of all businesses are small businesses, which is, that's a crazy thing if you think about it, that 50% um, are small businesses. And so I think it would be very easy to take a small amount of U.S. dollars Uh, like $200,000, which for an investment fund is not that much. That's chump change. Yeah, chump change. And um, go and invest it in Africa and uh, through business ventures and different things. And the beauty of it is, is there's way less risk. And also the market's not flooded because here you're competing against like Edward Jones, Bank of America, you know, basically Wall Street, like these huge billions and billions of dollars. they have got decades. Exactly. So. Basically, it's comparable to getting into... Imagine if you started investing in America kind of like right as World War II started. That's kind of comparable. The projected economic growth is is comparable. So before Edward Jones, before Wall Street, before all these huge things. um, And so I think there's immense potential there. Um, There is a huge problem with... um, I've never ran an investment fund. And so, obviously, that's the main trouble. I, can I be honest with you? <laughs> I have not either. Right. So, uh, but I've gotten, I obviously interviewed tons of people trying to get investment, and I only got uh, a verbal pledge for around 30000 Well, I mean, that's that's, that's de- oh yeah. decent it's seed money to- for sure. To- totally. And um, so, basically, I've kind of slowed down on it just because I'm like, most people I've talked to are like, we're interested, but you just don't have any experience, which is fair, like that's totally fair. So I'm waiting until either I get a partner with experience um, or like I get some job experience and and work on it. Uh, Cause I think it's still an amazing idea. And obviously there's no rush and I still believe on it, but that's the general kind of overview of the plan.
0: I mean, it sounds solid. And you're, so what you're talking about is conversion of currency rather than exchanging. And I just, I.
2: Yes, uh, because there is Forex exchange, which is you make money converting currencies. So it's like, depending on the markets where it's at, it's like if I turn it to rands, back to dollars, to euros, to whatever, you can make money. I don't want to do that. Uh, That's very volatile and risky because the market's so fluid, but um, All I want to do is convert it and then invest it. Okay. Um, so you get your maximum output of Rand. Exactly. New, and it functions sort of like a mutual fund, but the beauty of it is if we register it as a hedge fund, there's really no rules. A hedge fund just means you can do anything you want with it. Um, And there's, see, and that's another thing is the hedge fund requirements in America are immense. Yeah. You have to have like a huge pool. I can't well, remember. Well, just the
0: laws and regulations with the hedge fund in America. Yeah,
2: it, exactly. But in South Africa, emerging economies, um, not as much rules. So you have the flexibility and growth uh, there. And basically, it's, uh, because so say you invest in a country um, like Namibia, GDP growth is like 8%. Say you invest it with the same kind of prudence and solid investment, style as in America. Well, America is only growing at like two to four. So clearly if you get in on an economy growing at 8%, you're gonna make way more. You can make as much in one year of growth as you would make in a a couple years in America. And that's the beauty of emerging markets. But the downside is also the risk, which is why I'm relying on stronger currencies.
0: Because I'd imagine the main risk is that it takes longer for, the economy to develop uh,
2: exactly yeah. exactly the nature of like an emerging economy means there's all these new firms and businesses being start up, but that also means that a lot are failing at the same rate you know because you got to weed them out right which i think that risk is offset when you have a stronger currency that you're starting with so because think about it if we're in south africa we're competing with south african firms we can afford to do more because we have dollars instead of rands you've got the resources yeah exactly
0: well that's all very interesting um, if and when you do succeed over there and make it big, um I will ask that you do donate a certain amount of your earnings <laughs> to developing a squawk talk studio of over course. in Johannesburg
2: that would be amazing
0: yeah preferably in a high rise that would be would be most excellent
1: Braden, what do you make of all this? <clears throat> I heard you talking about forex mm-hmm. trading um my grandpa is actually big into that. He sits down mm-hmm. for hours just listening and watching the stock market and all that. And my mom's gotten into it as well over the past several years. Um, so is is that a good idea to be putting all that time into that? Because like, I heard you say mm-hmm. something about you don't want to do that. Is there
2: like problems with it that you don't
1: like about it
2: or? So um, <clears throat> first off, any type of trading can work for anybody if they're the right type of person and know the right stuff, obviously. Yeah. But why? Or they're lucky. Yeah. Why I do not want to do it is because the forex market is the largest market in the world. It trades about one trillion dollars a day. So that's how much is like moving around. Also, the barrier to entry is so low that like I can I have a, I have a forex account because I like to keep track. I can get on and and trade currencies. Yeah. So that means it's super risky because every single one of those purchases has an influence on it. So it's 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 very risky, but if anybody has a and also the the rewards are very minimal because you're talking about cents okay um but if if you have a specific strategy and stick to it like more power to you because there are successful day forex traders mm-hmm. well what I do is um just because my knowledge of South Africa I'm not scared to do forex uh on the rand because I know when the rand's really good that it will go down so like while I was there it was like uh it had a spike and so it was 1 to 13 and then I I placed a cap at uh, 1 to 16 and put a bunch of money on it and then when it hit 1 to 16 I made a bunch of money um so if you make it sound so easy yeah yeah but uh I don't know like that's that's such a thing where it's like, I was there, I know the economy, I was in the news. I would be scared to bet on literally any other currency because I don't know what's going on in Europe. So it's one of those things where I think if you specialize, um, and I read a book on it and it said most people only have about three currency, per, uh, currency pairs that they get good at. And some currency trading only goes one way, like you can only trade U.S. dollars to Rand. You can't bet the Rand against the U.S. dollar. Hmm. So a couple only go one way. So if you specialize, um, like more power to you. Like uh, if you trade specifically um, euros and stuff, like I, I get that. But I'm I'm just not attracted to it because like I feel like as a firm, it'd be hard to successfully trade forex and make substantial profits. Kind of mm, maybe. Yeah.
0: There, there's definitely a bigger risk factor there.
2: Yeah, it is the most risky trading in the world, which is why it's so easy. Like anybody with a laptop and like $50 can start trading Forex. And they can trade the, the stock exchange as well now with Robinhood, um, but that's also very risky. So
0: I've heard a lot of good things about Robinhood. Mm-hmm. I will just use this platform to publicly condemn Acorns. You, you, you guys I see advertisements that for that all the What's time. Acorns? Ashton Kutcher
1: um, does advertisements, you know, you see yeah, him in he, between wait, he's Snapchat. he's advertising for Acorn? Yeah. What's yeah. Acorn? He, he helps it's like
0: a, run it or something. It, well, I'm sorry to hear that. Ashton Kutcher wow. is no longer a friend of Squawk. Uh, so it's an auto investing app where you don't know what you're investing in.
2: What the heck?
0: And it's supposed to, you know, give you some return. I had the smallest, like um, the, the the cheapest subscription to where I would throw in like maybe five every other month or something like mm-hmm. that, and I had it for about a year. And I'm embarrassed to say it just because I got absolutely nothing. There there was no return, and not only that, it was just I feel like I feel like it's flagrant false advertising. Mm. And you just if you're investing, you need control.
2: You yeah, and but also I want to publicly plug. All mutual funds <laughs> okay, mutual funds always do well. The only downside is you have to lock in your money for like years you're not allowed to take it out, you also have to invest continually, so wait till you have a stable job, but uh mutual funds always do astronomical like just not acorns yeah not acorns <laughs> i don't even know like i like I go to Edward Jones and like. It's like 13% a year and it's all compound interest. So I've never heard of someone having, as long as you go to a registered investor obviously, I've never heard of someone having a bad mutual fund experience but the downside is obviously you have to wait and they have minimums where it's like you have to put this much in every month but mutual funds do immensely well. But um, that's another business idea, just side note. Robinhood for uh, African stock markets? Yeah get ahead of the curve.
0: Patent pending.
2: <laughs> Patent, Patent pending. That's
0: actually, yeah, that could cause, be big.
2: Because Johannesburg has its own stock exchange, Namibia has its own stock exchange, but they use the same currency. So inevitably, there's going to be kind of consolidation as these stock exchanges grow and they're going to start merging, kind of like the New York Stock Exchange. And they don't have a Robinhood. And Robinhood can't work there because Robinhood only abides by U.S. laws. So...
0: That's really interesting.
2: If, I mean, whoever makes that—that's that's what I'm saying. I have all these it's a handsome payday waiting for them. Well, that, that's the confusing thing. Uh, I read an article recently about how Robinhood makes money, and they don't make much money. Because think about it: if they're trading for free, where do they make money?
0: You got me. I don't know.
2: Yeah, and the article claims it's like per 100 trades they make a cent. A cent. A cent. So I mean what's
0: the point in doing it or
2: well there's enough it? trades going on that they are making quite a bit of money I said they aren't making much money earlier but it's not as much as you would expect that's yeah. all I meant because
0: I know that's one of the most widely used it, platforms it, now
2: right? it, it, exactly it uh, democratized and that's I feel like that's a growing business trend where it's like if you can take something and make it available to everyone you'll succeed that's what uber did that's what all this food delivery is Yeah. Um, you're democratizing things. Now the stock market's democratized all yeah. these things. User-friendly. Exactly. Airbnb, you democratized hotels. Yeah. Um, there you go.
0: Yeah, it, it, I think just overall business in America, let alone the world, is in a transitional phase. Where with, yes. the, with the phone and with the amount of technology that everyone has throughout their daily life, you know, it's just everyone's looking for, I mean, and this is nothing new, but everyone is looking for the easiest way to supplement whatever the guy have, th- th- that was doing the job before them was doing.
2: Have you seen um, Elon Musk talk about these things?
0: Uh, not this in particular. So
2: basically he just talks about it's really interesting that what technology and all these things are doing is just widening the capability of the individual. It's like if you think in medieval times, like my maximum influence like was my writing. But yeah. now it's to the point where it's like I can trade stocks and companies. I can write a book. I have access to all knowledge. I so, have food right to my door. Yeah, I have cars to where I can travel. And so basically Elon Musk's big thing uh, is how technology is just widening what the individual is capable of.
0: Yeah. Well, because the phone is, I mean, it's a tool. Exactly. So it is, it's is—it's an extension of you at this point. And what, one of the coolest classes I've taken here was... Uh, I think it was media. It was called Media Faith Culture, and it was stopped by Dr. David Lowry, and he was talking about the convergence of, or uh, I I think it's referred Mm -hmm. to as the convergence, but the you know embedding. We will get to that point where technology or you know our phones will no longer be an extension, an accessory, a tool, but it will be embedded within us. Yeah. And.
2: Makes me like scared sometimes. Like sometimes, like I just want to buy. I just want to move to like Wyoming and buy a plot of land and live off the grid <laughs> yeah I
0: you know I often have that log cabin kind of oh, fantasy yeah. just sitting on a rocking chair looking at my pond mm-hmm. feeding some ducks I don't know like <laughs> it just that sounds that doesn't sound all that bad but oh, man either way that, you know because
2: we're, we're like addicted to stuff like when I first started college I took like a like a year and a half off social media like I didn't have any Good Um, for you. Yeah. And...
0: Did you notice a difference in your stress level or... So the
2: first month, this is gonna sound whack, but you can feel how you have like less serotonin. Like you're like, um, I don't want to say it's like you're depressed because I don't know what depression is like, but you're like, something is wrong. Like I'm missing something. Yeah. Like you're kind of down all the time. And then I knew that it was like, I was like free or whatever. When it was like, after a couple months, I forgot my phone. And I didn't care. <laughs> like I forgot my phone when I left someone, I was like, ah, oh, whatever, I'll get it when I get back. And then it like hits you where you're like, this is the first time where I've like not had my phone and not been stressed. And I definitely think
0: everyone people, should do it. People and myself included for a decent amount of stuff uh, or functions on my phone, we would be grown dependent on these devices,
2: and it is an addiction because, like, when you first, like, the first time I tried to delete it, I got it back like an hour later. Yeah, you know.
0: I've heard several psychologists talk um, about how Instagram is the most damaging to one's yeah. mental health, just because it is, for the most part, a giant comparison game.
2: And um, I, I think it, I think it hurts girls more than guys. I, to, to absolutely. Be, to be t- to be totally honest, we should get a girl in here to talk about it. But I've I've heard some psychologists talk about um, how it's just basically giving a megaphone to like uh, the competitions that are always subtly there. Yeah. So you know how everyone's subtly trying like be like, oh, guess what I did this summer. Well, and the thing guess is, what I'm wearing, and, and it, it just, and it's not even
0: like it's truthful. No one, exactly. very The majority of people are not gonna post a you know a, some t- kind of tragedy that happened on Instagram. What you see on Instagram for the most part are people's you know, close to their perfect moments. Exactly. And even if it's not a perfect moment, they will you know, like they, they will disregard the moments that sucked and they will put only images yeah, or it's, it's posts a, that exist. It's exude a, it's, their a, it's, a show catered, happiness. it's a catered reality. Yeah. A catered reality. That's a eloquent way to put it. Um yeah, it's just it's it's damaging. And I I deleted my Facebook. I didn't have Instagram for the large part of summer. Uh, I'm back on, Uh, not that much, but I there's definitely a noticeable difference in just day-to-day life without
2: it. Yeah, and I've also been getting into just because like I'm on the debate team here, and one of our cases about I didn't know you were on the debate team. Yes, the business school, and one of our cases is kind of about like how Google and these people are like always collecting data on you. That's also pretty scary. So sometimes I just want to get like Nord VPN <laughs> stuff like that where it's yep. like they can't monitor you and um have you seen Hacked on Netflix? Mm-mm. I don't I do not have Netflix actually. You don't have Netflix? You can borrow my account for Hacked cuz it is worth the watch, it's worthwhile. Worthwhile. It's it's a uh, fair warning. It's a little biased, but that's okay. Like what isn't? Yeah.
0: Everyone, everything is biased yeah, to a certain extent. What really uh, made me, their motive compelled me to delete my Facebook was the Cambridge Analytica scandal.
2: Oh my goodness, that's what hacks about. Yeah. Oh, oh. It's just
0: selling personal information, yes, collected data. Exactly.
2: So the most profound thing they said, and this is in the commercial. So the guy, it's a, he's a media professor in New York City or something, but he said, he says this. He's like, "Have y'all ever had a conversation?" and then saw an ad for what you were talking about later.
0: Last year, it like it, you know, last year, my buddy was trying to get me on a, his fitness kick, which, you know, he's a you know, bodybuilding freak. We were talking about GNC and how mm-hmm. he used to work there. The next morning,
2: I'm scrolling through Instagram, and there's an ad for GNC. Well, listen to this and tell me this doesn't blow your mind. The guy said, I know how Google and these things work. Like, I've looked at the software. They don't track audio and stuff like that. He says that the algorithms know what you're going to be thinking based off what you've seen. So he says that the algorithms are so accurate that based off what you did on your phone, Google knew that you would need a GNCA ad. See, what I just
1: looked up earlier, I was looking up uh, where you were saying you were, like mm -hmm. in Africa, and I exited that, and then I went to type in trending like trending news and it said trending news in South Africa. Like it popped up as one of the things. This crazy.
2: Yeah.
0: One of the things that really scares me is the rise of deep fakes.
1: What are deep fakes? Deep fakes.
0: Braden, look up deep fake. Oh yeah, I forgot you got your computer too. (laughs) So Facebook and Google are currently working on an algorithm to stop these, but what it is is a dead on, scary realistic Implementation of someone else's face onto another person. You can program um, it to where their voice plays with it. It syncs their mouth just as uh, to what that person was originally saying. This, this is scary. This is some Whoa. some <laughs> George Orwell type stuff.
2: Um, so another because like I'm planning to go to law school and stuff like that. So I like to keep in the legal loop. There was recently a court case for. uh... It was against Facebook, I believe by Laura Loomer, who's controversial, uh, I'll admit. But she was suing Facebook because Facebook was censoring her and kicked her off and stuff. And I can't remember exactly how the lawsuit works, but Facebook is now claiming that they are a a publisher. And they've been going off and on about this. So there's different laws for publishers and platforms. Because if it's a platform... Uh, I can only legally, uh, like, attack you for libel. So I could say, hey... Uh, but there's free expression for
0: users, for the most part. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But
2: but it, it's exactly where they're saying we're just a marketplace hosting all this discussion. But now Facebook is saying, no, we're, we're a publisher. And when it's convenient, they claim they're one or the other to, like, get around the lawsuits. But why this... Um, New one is important is the first time it's, like, interacted with, uh, like, a high court. So I think there's going to be a whole bunch of more lawsuits because they're now claiming that they're a publisher. So every false thing on Facebook ever is Facebook's fault. Because yeah. they're claiming that they're, they're a publisher. Right. Which is why, like, the New York Times is different than Facebook, because they publish things. So when there's something wrong on the New York Times, depending on, like, how grievous it is, you can file suit against them. And now they're, they're claiming that they're a publisher, too, which means, like, you can sue them for false things.
0: These are crazy times.
2: Crazy times.
0: That, that is absurd. And, you know, the Twitter thing with, I, I'm not an Alex Jones fan I, yeah. at all. But it did bother me to a certain extent that this guy is not attacking people on the platform. Not only him, but there were several other people, conservatives, that were targeted by Twitter users. And I, you know, I, do you have your, have you ever seen Joe Rogan? Yeah. Yeah. Um, We're going for him at top of the charts on Apple Podcasts. (laughs) But aside from that, uh, Joe Rogan had, I think he had uh, Jack Dorsey, who's the CEO of Twitter, and he also had... Yeah. And it was... He didn't didn't grill him. Exactly. Exactly. But then he came back, and he brought... I forget what her name is, but she's, like, the chief operator of their Twitter guidelines. She
2: knew nothing either. She knew nothing. She knew nothing. had
0: no answers, and it just... That's concerning, that they can just, you know, write off your freedom of speech on social media whenever. This is exactly
2: what we're debating, because part of my mind is... uh, they're a private company. Do whatever you want. I, re- I really don't I don't care. But um, don't claim to be like a free speech haven. Yeah. But then there's also the whole debate, and I'm not sure how I feel about this, where it's like, are we to the point in society now where uh, it's a utility? Like Is Twitter a public utility?
0: I would consider it so. I mean, I mean Donald Trump.
2: The president's on it, and it's illegal to not let uh, government officials have it. So we're to the point now where it's like a part um, it's of It's been how, ingrained in society. Yeah, how we do things. And so then that also, I, I would be in favor of like, uh, you just blue checking everyone. Like you have to prove your identity and then match it with an account. I feel like that's a reasonable, I feel like that's a place to start, but.
0: Either way, I feel like the internet is lacking legislation Yes. There I feel like there definitely needs to be some legislation implemented.
2: For and the and do you know who Tucker Carlson is? I am familiar with Tucker Carlson. So um, this is his big shtick is, and it's got some libertarians mad. But he's like, we have to break up, like Facebook, Google, like they're just they're just too big, and they're stronger than governments. And he goes through a couple reasons why, but I don't think that's a huge leap. Like if you told someone no. Google's stronger than most governments and maybe the U.S. government. Because now the U.S. government, listen to this, uh, um, the U.S. government, what they'll do now, this is crazy, this will blow your mind. So say there's a crime committed, Mm -hmm. and the U.S. government knows, like, say it was at a Taylor Swift concert. Say someone got stabbed at a Taylor Swift concert. The U.S. government goes to Google. No, first they go to a judge and say, we want a warrant to digitally search this area. And they have to provide geographic bounds to the search and a time and the judge says boom we approve it the cops then go to google google has collected all the data on that area and they're able to say exactly like what happened they're able to show the videos of everyone and now you're seeing lots of criminal cases are being solved by this because the cops once they have a warrant will go to google and get all the cellular data and that's able to track everyone see where everyone went and obviously like go them for like my problem is that not that they're using it to catch criminals my problem is that our government is like relying on a private company yeah. as like an important mechanism to solve crimes uh,
0: absolutely that yeah. is very alarming yeah I, I i agree with you about google i think google has too much power mm-hmm. um, and free reign not just in the united states but yeah overseas too uh, and that, that,
2: that's what I love about Africa is I felt truly off grid because like I didn't have anything so mm-hmm. I was truly just yeah. out in Africa
0: <laughs> I think Disney definitely needs to be broken up and that's a tangent that I've yeah. given multiple times on this show but um, Ruger we're out of time Ah oh, dang I cannot thank you enough for coming in and just walking with us about Africa, your business, and you're you're just kind of like a walking PBS, honestly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Lots right? of free time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm praying you got anything?
1: Dude, I got a joke. <sighs> if you want to end with a joke, um, I'm a, it's gonna be a good one this time. Mm. But let me, let me see what we got sent in today. <clears throat> let me see.
0: Also, a brief announcement. October is the month for squawk. Get ready for squawk. We have a lot of big things coming your way, like prestigious oh, guests, goodness. some really uh, fun segments.
1: It's going to be exciting. Definitely tune in every day of October if you're not already. Yeah. Um,
0: like they weren't planning yeah. on that. Yeah,
1: yeah. They're always planning on it. But anyway. But, anyways, here's the joke of the day uh, What do you call an elephant that doesn't matter? An irrelevant. <laughs> That's a good it,
0: it w- I'll be honest that might have been the best one I said. think that is the
1: best one <laughs> um, that very well could have besides been. the gummy bear with no teeth joke that was kind of funny
0: will you refresh my memory I I,
1: I, I would have to find it I forgot yeah, it, like, it leaves time. and we then it, come. Go, it comes and it goes
0: um, <laughs> well either way thanks for tuning in be sure to check out Big Squawk on Twitter for the latest updates and uh, stay tuned and I guess just be on the be on the lookout for updates on Squawktober Either way, we'll be here. Um, God bless. Have a good weekend. And keep on squawking.